Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about how do you explain OCD to people who don't get it. Last week in episode 49, we talked about explaining anxiety to people who don't get it. And I don't want to forget those that are raising kids with OCD as well. So I thought I would talk about that and give you some pointers on how to explain OCD to those that just don't understand it. Now, unfortunately, there is a huge misunderstanding in general with OCD, a lot more than anxiety. People have just this misperception about OCD. They think it is excessive handwashing or overorganizing. Some people think tapping, um, and they think it's just a, a neuroticism. And they don't realize that that really doesn't encapsulate OCD at all. Yes, handwashing, it can be a component of OCD, but it doesn't have to be. And people don't have to be clean and organized to have OCD. And in fact, most of the kids that I work with are not clean, they're not organized, and most of them don't hand wash. So to the general population, they would not have OCD. And I think that's what gets confusing is when you understand OCD and you finally are like, I, I totally get it. I didn't know. Maybe you listened to some of my podcasts or watched some of my YouTube videos and you're like, oh my gosh, my child has OCD. I didn't know what OCD was. Or maybe you always knew what OCD was, but the world around you does not understand your child. So it's important to try to get siblings, partners, schools, relatives on board so that everybody around your child can be helpful and not hurtful. So let me talk first about how I explain OCD to others. Now, before I get started, I do want to say that I made, I'm a visual person, more than I am just an auditory person. <laughs> Can you be an auditory person? But <laughs> whatever. So I did make a video explaining OCD. And um, I think it was called, if you think I'm so OCD, then you need to watch this video because you probably aren't. But it was really my big effort to, to explain OCD to people who just don't get it. And it's a good visual. And so if you haven't seen it, I would go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78. And you'll see it. It's one of the first couple of videos, go to my playlist and look at all my videos and it, you'll see it listed there. That is a great video to show people who don't understand OCD. So I would definitely check that out. I also have another YouTube video that explains anxiety and OCD to siblings, and I would check that one out too. And then I have one that is just, what is OCD? And it's actually for kids, and that would be a really appropriate one to show siblings. So I do want to say that before I even start, because I feel like those videos are actually really good tools to have your kids or relatives or friends watch so that they can understand it in a better way. But I'm also going to go into a little bit more detail about how you can talk to them just in general. So the way that I explain OCD is this. I'll go into it. I'll just explain it to you so that 
you can explain it to other people. But I say, you know, OCD isn't about hand washing and it's not about organization. It's really about two simple things. It's about an obsessive thought. And we use the word obsessive in general to be like, oh, I'm so obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. Or I'm so obsessed with Minecraft. But when we talk about obsessive thoughts, we're using it in a different way. We're using it in a way where somebody's having a thought that's so upsetting and so distressing, but it keeps coming. It's, it's relentless. So an obsessive thought isn't like, oh, I'm so obsessed with this. An obsessive thought is an intrusive or upsetting thought that happens over and over and over again, and the person can't get any relief, and it causes a lot of distress and most often a lot of anxiety. And so when that, chi- when that child has an obsessive thought, the C in OCD is the compulsions. So you have an obsessive thought, that's the O, and then you have a compulsion, that's the C, to make the obsessive thoughts go away, unfortunately, only briefly. So a compulsion is when you do or avoid something. So if I have an obsessive thought that says, my family is going to die, and my compulsion says, I need to pull out all the plugs in my room so that I can't cause a fire, I'm going to feel a brief sense of relief. But then that's not going to be enough, and we'll get into that in a second. But that's the C. Or if I avoid something, so let's say my obsessive thought is, I'm afraid that I'm going to throw up, I don't want to throw up, and then my compulsion might be to avoid any area where I think people are sick, and then I also might avoid wearing things that are green because green equals throw up. I might avoid saying words with a TH because that sounds like throw up, and I can do a lot of avoiding. So anything can be OCD when you have those two components, an obsessive thought that doesn't always make sense, most often does not make sense. And then the C, which is the part that really makes it OCD, is the compulsion to do or avoid something to get some brief relief from the O. And unfortunately, it's like a big circle because the more you do the C, the more it loops back to the O, and then the OCD loop gets reinforced and it grows bigger. And so that's how I would explain OCD. So Yeah, you could say my O is I'm afraid of germs. My C is washing my hands, and that's that's my OCD. But you can also say my O says that my left shoe is too tight and my right shoe is not tight enough. And so my C is I need to tighten my other shoe to make it even. And that is still OCD, even though that looks completely different. Or my O says I'm a bad person because I just saw a knife And I had this weird intrusive thought that said, hmm, what if I took that knife and I stabbed you, but I don't want to stab you. And my C is, I'm going to tell you that I had that thought and you're going to tell me I'm okay. And now I'm going to feel better. And that's my OCD. So explaining to people and giving them examples like that about how the O and the C work and how really you can put almost anything in the O and the C to make OCD. And then I would talk to them about how there are lots of OCD themes. Maybe you want to educate them on the different types of themes that OCD can have. And I did an entire episode on this. In episode 25, I talk all about the eight most common OCD themes and talk about harm OCD and moral OCD, contamination OCD, just right OCD, sensory motor OCD. 
So if you don't know about all the OCD themes, go back and listen to episode 25. Or if you have someone that loves your child and is actively involved in their life, maybe you have them listen to episode 25. So they really get an understanding of how pervasive OCD can be. And it morphs. So you might have a fear of germs for a few months and you are constantly washing your hands, but OCD can change. And so then maybe you're having intrusive thoughts that you're a bad person or that you're a liar and your compulsion is to confess and tell people that you're not. It can change over time. So I think the basic thing you want to explain to your child's siblings or to relatives and friends is just that how the O and the C work. My video for little kids would be much better because it's going to be visual and it will show them. And the video that I made on what is OCD, I made that actually for kids who have OCD, but a lot of families have been telling me that the siblings who watch it get a lot from it as well because they understand it a lot better and don't blame their brother or sister for a lot of the behaviors that they're showing. With older people, meaning like not little kids, you might want to explain too that OCD tends to be like a brain hiccup. And I explained this in my video, but that the basal ganglia and the circuitry in the brain is having a malfunction. And so some things are getting stuck. And because things are getting stuck, people are having urges to do things that don't make sense, or they're being flooded with thoughts that aren't getting filtered out of their head. And that is genetic. OCD has a highly genetic component to it. And so it runs in families and parents aren't causing OCD and it's not trauma related. Sometimes, you know, people think it's bad parenting or it's caught because maybe the child watched a parent do something that was OCD related and now the child has OCD. And so it must be the parent's fault. Well, genetically there's a link, but it's not like the parent caused the OCD behavior unless the child already had a predisposition to OCD. So you want to explain that to people so that there's less judging and uh, criticism because who needs that, right? So up next, I want to talk about things that people can do to help and things that people can stop doing that's not helpful. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, so you want to explain to siblings, friends, and family that they should stop rationalizing with the child with OCD because, and and if you're doing this, you should stop this as well. People who have OCD pretty much know that their obsessive thoughts are irrational. In fact, that's why they, a lot of times keep it secret because they're embarrassed because they know this doesn't make any sense. I'm worried about bird poop being on the door handle. And I know that birds are not flying in this room. I get that makes no sense. And yet I'm having an obsessive thought that says, if I get bird poop on my hands, I'm going to get sick and there could possibly be bird poop on the door handle. So I need to go wash my hands. I know that doesn't make sense. 
I don't need you to tell me that doesn't make sense. That only makes me feel more embarrassed. So you want to explain that to siblings. You want to explain that to family and friends. They get it. They know that that's irrational. If they're in therapy, hopefully the therapist spent maybe one session just going over those thoughts and presenting them with the rational explanation, especially for kids, because sometimes they really don't know. But after that, OCD is relentless. So OCD isn't going to be like, oh, I didn't know birds weren't flying in this room. Thank you for telling me that. Now I feel so much better. I don't have to wash my hands. No, it doesn't work that way. OCD, which differs from anxiety, and I am going to make a YouTube video on that in the upcoming weeks if I haven't already once this comes out. But OCD is very different than anxiety because anxiety is often reality-based. It's just highly skewed. So it's just exaggerated and, and catastrophized. But OCD often, more often than not, is irrational, nonsensical, and doesn't make sense. There can be a lot of magical thinking. You know, I need to go and tap here three times or my family's going to die. I get that that doesn't really make sense. I know that me tapping my chair isn't going to really ward off evil spirits. But my OCD is making me think that I need to do it anyway. So you definitely want to encourage people to not rationalize with people, with your child who has OCD, because that's really frustrating and embarrassing for them. Now, if a therapist is doing that, maybe the first or second session, that's appropriate. You want to do some psychoeducational sessions when you're working with a kid to just help them realize like, hey, this is, this is the alternative way to look at it. Do you see that that makes sense and your OCD doesn't? But after that, even a therapist should not be continuing to rationalize the OCD because OCD doesn't care. OCD doesn't care if you tell me that me unplugging my light isn't going to cause a house fire or that my thoughts are just my thoughts and doesn't mean that I'm a pedophile or a serial killer. It doesn't matter that you tell me that because my OCD is still going to make me believe it. So that's the first one. The second one is you want to encourage people around your child to not tell them to stop doing their compulsions. I know people are coming from a good place most of the time, but when you have a parent, another parent, or a sibling or relative say, you know, Johnny, stop doing that. Oh, Johnny, you just washed your hands and now you're washing your hands another time. That's unnecessary. Don't do that. You don't want your relatives. <laughs> that was my New Jersey accent. <laughs> I'm from, I was born in New York and I live in Arizona and that was my New Jersey accent. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I got for you. But you, you don't want people doing that. And you definitely don't want your child's siblings doing that because it's going to really impact their relationship. So you might want to pull your other children aside one-on-one. Not Don't do it as a group if you have many children. And depending on their maturity level, you might want to sit down with them out of earshot or maybe out of the house from your child with OCD and say, this is what OCD is. It involves the basal ganglia. Watch Natasha's video on it. You know, it's a physiological condition. He can't control it. And this is the deal. This is how we're trying to help him. And when you continue to talk about or make fun of him for doing it, it feels really bad for him. And in fact, you're actually making his OCD worse. So what you can do is to help by not doing that. So you definitely want to talk to them and talk to relatives and let them know that pointing out the child's compulsions all the time is one, shaming them. And two, 
it can make them feel worse and it can make their OCD worse. Third, this is totally separate. This is actually swinging in the opposite direction is you want to let people know that they shouldn't accommodate your child's OCD. So when a child has OCD, they definitely get other people to help them complete compulsions. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to episode 27 on why reassurance doesn't help children with anxiety and OCD, because I talk about the OCD loop and also episode 32. If you have a child that confesses their bad thoughts, that's a really important one. And episode 37, three things I wish every parent raising a child with OCD would do, because I'm sure that that's included in that podcast. So you want to make sure that you don't have other children in the house accommodating your child's OCD. So kids with OCD are very crafty because OCD is so painful. They find ways to get some relief. And a lot of times that is by having brothers and sisters clean things for them, wipe things off for them, uh, do things in a particular way for them, or even give them reassurance. You know, I, I think I was going to hurt you in my bad person, you know, with moral OCD. If you don't know moral OCD, go back and look at my episode on moral OCD. That will explain more on that. But you might be, you know, working with a therapist, or maybe you took my online OCD class, um, parenting kids with OCD. And so now you have all the tools to help your child at home and you're on a plan. You're on either the plan that I created for you in my online class or the plan that your therapist created for you in therapy. And you are slowly not accommodating your child. So you're not, you're not involving yourself in their compulsions. And then you have a relative or a sibling and they are doing it. And so instead of you going and cleaning the bathroom or wiping down the silverware before you feed them or listening to their confessions, brothers and sisters are doing it or relatives. And that's not good because as long as the compulsions are being done, the OCD grows stronger. And I explained that all in my parenting class. And so, and hopefully you have a good therapist who's explaining that to you as well, that the OCD loop is what grows the OCD. And, and kids can't stop cold turkey and just be like, oh, okay, well, it's compulsions that are the problem. So I'll just stop my compulsions and my OCD will go away. It is a little bit more complicated and not as easy as that. And kids can't do that overnight, but you're going to be moving in, the, in that direction. And you don't want other people undoing your success by helping your child do compulsions and you're not even aware of it. Because as long as those compulsions are getting done, the OCD is not going to be going away. And even if you have brothers and sisters who are accommodating and doing the compulsions, it might be too much to pull that away overnight because that can really throw somebody into a tailspin, but involve them in the therapy. So either involve them in therapy sessions or talk to the therapist and say, I do want you to know that she has brothers and sisters that are completing her compulsions for her as well. And this is a list of things that they're doing and then bring them into therapy and have them work on it as well. Or if you did my online class, you know, then talk to the relative or the brother and sister and sit down and say, let's talk about the things that you do to help your sister or your brother's OCD. And then we'll talk about why that's not okay or which ones we can start to eliminate. And then you want to sit down with your child with OCD and you want to say to them, Hey, 
Here's the deal. For starters, how do you want me to talk to people about your OCD? So separate from what we were just talking about, you want to get some ground rules from them. Is it okay to tell relatives and friends that you have OCD? A lot of kids are very private about OCD, even more so than anxiety. There's a stigma because our media and our society does not understand OCD the way they should, that makes kids feel more ashamed and more embarrassed than even anxiety. So you want to sit with your child and say, I want people to understand you. So who can I tell and how can I tell them and get their permission? And then you want to also say, how do you want other people to help you? So, and this is what I do even in my online classes is what I encourage parents to do with their child to sit down with their child and say, you know, let's fill out this worksheet on how you want me to communicate with you on your OCD. What's my role? What do you want me to do? Because your child is in the driver's seat and you're in the passenger seat. And that's the only way that they will get better. So ask them, you know, your brothers and sisters, what should they do? When you're asking them to wipe something off for you because you don't want to touch it, we know that that feeds your O. Normally we nickname it something like O. And that's not good for your battle against OCD. So what do you want them to say to you when you ask them to do something for your OCD? And then have the child come up with it. And sometimes kids will say, well, I still need them to do it because I'm going to panic. Or, well, how about they say, I'm sorry, but I don't want to do that for your O because that will grow your O bigger. Sometimes you can get a kid to have like a saying that other people can say, but figure out a language and then go back to the other kids and sit down with them and say, maybe even have a family meeting if it's not embarrassing to your child with OCD and say, these are the family rules. These are all the things that we do for O, if we just keep calling it O, and these are the things that we're going to slowly not do. And so you go down the list. This week, we're not going to do this for O. And the child with OCD is okay with it. Or the child with OCD is the one saying, okay, I'll pick one thing that you cannot do for me to grow my O, and that'll be okay with me. Most kids with OCD are very sensitive, and they may not like a family meeting environment. That might be embarrassing. And so you might have to do this individually with different people in your family. You also want to ask them, what do you want grandma to do? Or what do you want grandpa to do? Or what about uncle so-and-so and aunt so-and-so? You know, sometimes they don't understand when you act this way. What should we tell them? And then you might want to encourage them to not be so secretive about it because that is part of the problem is that there's such a stigma and we don't want OCD to hide in the shadows. We want OCD to be out in the open. And so a lot of times kids will initially say to me, I don't want anyone to know about it. And I'll say, but your grandma comes over every weekend. She doesn't know why you get really upset when she tells you to pick something up and you're refusing. She thinks you're just being difficult. But what if she knew that you were afraid to pick up the towel because you felt like there were germs on it? Then she might understand a little bit more. So you want to talk to them about who you can discuss their OCD with and why it would be a good thing. For school... You definitely want to listen to my episode on school (laughs) because it talks all about school. Episode 45 talks about how OCD shows up in the school environment and it gets missed in the school environment and what teachers and administrators can do in the environment to help them. 
So if you're struggling with the school and you're like, oh, okay, Natasha, but what am I supposed to do with that? Go listen to that episode because that's all I talk about in there. And that will be helpful, hopefully. So the key takeaways for helping other people understand OCD is explain it to them in a way that moves way past washing hands and being super neat and explaining to them that OCD is irrational because a lot of people will say, well, you know what? She's afraid of germs, but I saw her eat gum off the floor or she's a neat freak, but her room is disgusting or she's afraid to eat, but she'll eat blah, blah, blah and say, yeah, OCD is irrational, nonsensical, and it doesn't make sense. And if you're trying to make sense of it, good luck with you because it's not going to make any sense. So you want to go into some of the OCD themes, give them examples that are not your child's as well. So they can see just how big the umbrella is for OCD behavior. And then you want to talk to them about what they should stop doing and what they can start doing. And that will be helpful. Sometimes I'll have siblings play an active role in helping the child with OCD and the sibling and the child really like that. I had one sibling and she wrote this whole little book for her brother about how he can beat the OCD bully. And it was really cute and really helpful. So sometimes siblings get along really well, (laughs) not my kids, but some kids do, and they can help each other. I mean, my kids do help with their anxiety. They'll sometimes say, that's your worry cloud. Don't give into your worry cloud. But sometimes it's done in a bad way. Sometimes my older daughter will say to my middle son, that's an OCD thing, or that's a compulsion. And that that's not helpful. So you want to encourage them to be positive. And if it's not in them to be positive, you just want to encourage them to be quiet. And you also want to go into why sometimes it's impacting the family. So sometimes people will have OCD meltdowns and that's not pretty. And people may not understand that. Relatives may not understand that. Your kids may not understand that. And you want to listen to episode 23, when anxiety and OCD causes poor behaviors and meltdowns, if you don't understand it, but explain it to your kids and your relatives. Like, look, when you have so many rules in your brain nonstop, there's only so much you can handle and it grows and it grows and it grows until you explode. And that's going to happen. And it's not about what he's exploding about. It's all the things that are happening in his head before then. Or if a relative or a sibling contaminates something or breaks an OCD rule in the child's head, they might go ballistic and nobody may know why. And so explaining to your other kids, these are your brother's OCD themes. These are the things that upset him. As long as they're not going to use it against him, that can be really helpful and say, you know, he has an OCD thought around throwing up, or he has an OCD thought around germs, or he has an OCD thought around plastic, or he has an OCD thought around bad thoughts, whatever it is, explain it to your kids. So they understand why your child is reacting in such an extreme way that can definitely help. Lastly, keep up the communication. You know, There's more than just your child with OCD struggling with it. Grandparents are interfacing with their child and they're dealing with their grandchildren as well. And siblings are definitely on the forefront of the OCD battle because they are silent observers of all the drama and chaos. And also they collude a lot of times with OCD. And so they're a key component to beating OCD as well. And sometimes we forget about all those extraneous people 
And we just focus on our child with OCD and we forget to include our other kids in education and in treatment. And if we don't include them in either of those, that could be really bad. We might be missing a huge piece of the puzzle when our kids are not getting better because a sibling is inadvertently helping with compulsions or they're triggering our child because they don't realize what they're doing. So don't forget to include everybody. And hopefully this episode gave you some words and ideas and how to do that. So I hope you are enjoying my podcast. If you are, you can do a very simple thing. There are stars right under my podcast name. If you're listening on iTunes, if you just hit a star that submits a review, it's like a two second. Thank you, Natasha. And I appreciate it. It's a great way to give back and to show your support for the show. If you're feeling even more giving, which I would really appreciate, you can leave a review. You hit the button underneath the stars and it says write a review and you can write a review about how you're liking the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes that come out every Tuesday. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. Until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 